0: to take your hands off the wheel and your eyes off the road. Gonna take it
1: right into the zone. In November
0: 1940, during the dark days of World War II, when it looked like Hitler had won the war, Australia, which didn't even have a car industry, decided to design and build a tank. It turned out to be one of the best tanks in the world at the time. This incredible success story is told for the first time in detail in a book written by Kansas own Jason Belgrave, Assistant Manager at the Australian Armour and Artillery Museum at Smithfield. And I have him here with me for this program to tell us about his book and to finalise from my two previous programs this amazing story of the Australian tank that they called Sentinel. The book is available at the Australian Armour and Artillery Museum as well as from their online store and also from the publishers, Jabiru Publishing. There's an unusual design feature on the Sentinel and that's got that's got a raised section in front of, between the turret. Uh, uh, that seems to be, what was that for? <laughs>
1: Oh, we're talking about our machine
0: gun cover. No, not the machine gun cover. That's, it's, it's, no. that's really interesting too. Uh, there's a ray section so that you uh, firing from, engaged from the front, you don't actually, you're not capable of hitting the um, section between the turret and the deck of the Sentinel oh, tank. Oh, yes. Yes, i,
1: I get that. So. so, yeah, the, um, we, we've seen on, uh, especially we did it to Matildas um, later on as well, where we welded plates around the turret ring because you have a gap between where the turret sits and the hull starts. So our design uh, incorporated parts of the hull to sit a little bit higher than the, uh, the turret ring itself. So it was essentially protected uh, from the front and the rear um, by the actual castings itself.
0: You know, I think that was, um, that was a great idea. Um... And the the machine gun mounting and the um, the A three um, uh, AC three uh, it's a rather phallic symbol.
1: So oh, it's pretty much just on the AC one
0: AC one. Sorry, to, yes.
1: Yeah, AC three and four we we dispense with that because of the the ammunition. But the the AC one uh, the machine gun cover because we had the Vickers Mark twenty one. So this is a uh, a three A three machine gun but it's got a water jacket uh, that surrounds the barrel to keep it cool. Now, to fit that gun and provide the protection that it also needs, because remember the gun protrudes out the front of the vehicle, so we've got to have a cover around that that provides the same level of protection up to, say, a two-pounder hit. So we've got a round water jacket, so we've got a round aperture now that's got to cover the, uh, the gun itself. So, yes, it looks a little bit phallic-looking, but it actually is designed um, for purpose.
0: Now, although the um, Sentinel tank never served in combat, um, in real combat, it did serve in combat in a movie called Rats of Tobruk, didn't it?
1: Yes, (laughs) because a lot of people didn't really, especially around the world, didn't know of the Australian cruiser tank to to great effect. So it was obviously in in the movie Rats of Tobruk, so the... Uh, members of the 3rd Army Tank Battalion actually played German tank soldiers and the cruiser tanks were actually marked up as German tanks.
0: The um, internet movie database, a a trivia comment on that movie, says this represents the only time that Sentinels were ever used outside of testing. That's that's correct, is it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, the tanks were used uh, in training purposes um, you know, especially when we talk about uh, the shooting trials, the mobility trials. Um, so apart from some of the units like the 3rd Army Tank Battalion using it for the movie, uh, they weren't really utilised uh, that well, uh, which is un- unfortunate because we had, at that stage, especially in 1943, Lend-Lease in America were supplying Australia with, well, we have 757 lease and grants, um, that were available for us to use. We also had, um, you know, over 400 utilities. We had over 300 Stuarts. So in Australia at that time, we had over a 1,000 armoured vehicles. So the Americans were putting pressure on us to actually stop our cruiser tank program because they could supply us with basically all the uh, the tanks that we needed.
0: Do you think at the end of the day, um, after the war, the Sentinel had any lasting uh Impact on Australia's attitude to uh, designing and manufacturing local, locally defence equipment.
1: Uh, absolutely. So the cruiser tank provided the impetus for other industrial uh, initiatives. So once design and, de- and development processes are made and refined, um, other ideas, uh, especially in the civilian sector, would generally take off. So. We started, when we started our cruiser tank program and we started getting, you know, the extra tooling uh, required. Once we've got that tooling, then we can look at that technology and make our own as well. So if we look at um, other ideas, especially just prior to World War II, uh, Essington Lewis, as I mentioned, was the wartime director of munitions. He had already started the Commonwealth Aircraft Corporation. um, And uh, through uh, BHP, BHP, and that sort of thing, they were providing a lot of the special alloys uh, for metal uh, projects, you know, for, for other building things as well. So just by building one bit of equipment, you can get other um, sort of developments uh, in other areas that will come off, especially in the Sabine uh, sector.
0: How many Sentinels are left in the world today?
1: Uh, so out of the 65 AC ones that were built, one AC3 and a couple of prototypes. There's only six that are left. Um, so within the museum, we have two. So the AC1 and the representation representation of the AC4. Parkespunial Tank Museum's got one. Uh, Bobbington Tank Museum has got one. Uh, the Australian War Memorial's got the AC3, and Clive Palmer actually has uh, a almost I'd say an almost complete. Um, AC-3. Uh, we did try and obtain that vehicle at one point, but uh, the uh, the contract requirements become a little bit uh, too long, and uh, we uh, sort of pulled away from that uh, request to, to have that AC-3.
0: So he's got a, a rare AC-3 and maybe the um, Titanic re- reborn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> now... Um at this time, with the war in the Ukraine going on, the question has arisen again about how effective tanks are. And I remember during the October Yom Kippur War in 1973, the Israelis suffered losses to the what was then a new Saga anti-tank missile. So do tanks have a future?
1: Oh, absolutely. The, tanks are one part of your battle plan. Um, so as we see in the Ukraine at the moment... Uh, I would rate the Russian tactics as very poor. If we look at other examples of, let's say, the Marines going into Fallujah in Iraq, they go into a built-up area, the infantry dismount, they go through and they clear um, the buildings and and places where anti-armour teams can hide. What the Russians are doing at the moment is they're just driving their tanks straight into a city... Uh, without clearing, and they're getting hit from left, right, front, up, every which way by anti-armour teams. The Russians actually have infantry attached to their armour battle groups, so I don't know why they're not clearing first. If you clear, then you would find the anti-armour teams, you would then save your tanks. But at the moment, as we find, that, uh, they're not doing that, and they're uh, suffering as a result uh, of it, um, and their whole design... Philosophy, you know, been telling the West for years that their explosive reactive armour on their tanks is uh, will defeat tandem warheads. So we're talking about the Javelin. And as we're seeing at the moment, the uh, the Javelins are literally um, going straight through them like a uh, hot knife through butter.
0: Is there anything they'll, they'll be able to do, do you think? Or are you aware of anything that they're doing to protect the decks of the tanks which seem to be particularly exposed to the Javelin?
1: Yeah, so with Javelin, it can be either used as a top attack munition or a direct attack munition. So what they're using mostly is uh, top attack. So when we talk about protection on a tank, you want the front of your tank to have the most amount of protection. When we start talking about turret roofs, engine decks, the back of the vehicle, the sides of the vehicle, that's where we start to um, sort of cut down on our armour thickness. So We want all our armour at the front. So unfortunately, as a result of technology, anti-armour weapons have come a long way, so they're targeting the vulnerable points uh, of the tanks. But it's like any bit of equipment. Some equipment has its strengths, but it also has its weaknesses. It's how you mitigate those weaknesses um, comes down to how you employ your vehicle.
0: I think you said earlier that the the significant benefit of tanks is to save lives and to be able to deliver... With, with great mobility, uh, enormous firepower, and that, um, I think, continues to be an important factor in war.
1: Oh, exactly. So we use that term tank safe lives, um a lot here in Australia because if we look at it, comparison-wise, a company of infantry, um, you know, say 120 men, with just one troop of tanks, we have more firepower than those 120 men and we can employ it to further ranges, a far greater effect. So, if we can provide tanks with our infantry, we're essentially protecting our infantry. We're saving their lives just by putting us in the forefront to, you know, take out what is is, you know, as a requirement um, for us to do. Um, so, tanks also can be a deterrent. So, you don't necessarily have to fire around; they're just there as a deterrent.
0: I've been talking today with Jason Belgrave, who wrote is the author of the book, The Australian Cruiser Tank, which is a book that was long overdue. Where can people get the book, Jason?
1: Oh, so, yeah, you can buy the book exclusively at uh, the Australian Army Artillery Museum. Uh, it's also available uh, online uh, through our store. And you can also get it through the publisher, Jabiru Publishing. Uh, Gloria would be uh, quite happy to uh, sell some copies uh, from her website as well.
0: Okay, well, thank you for your time, Jason, and it's been an incredible story, very inspiring.
1: No worries, Paul. Well, thanks for having me on. Okay, bye. No worries. Okay, bye.
0: Thanks for joining me, Paul, in the Danger Zone. If you have any questions about anything in this program, maybe you could catch up with me for my guided tour at the Australian Armour and Artillery Museum on Saturday mornings, starting at 10.30am probably the world's best guided tour of an armour and artillery museum, borrowing the Danish Karlsburg slogan for their beer. And also, Jason Belgrave will often be at the museum, and he'll be more than happy to talk to you about the Sentinel tank. If you liked this program, you will definitely love my other program, CYKIAE.